You're listening to the Yakima Chief Hops Podcast Network. Welcome back, baseball fans, to the fifth episode of the third season of Beer, Baseball, and Binds. My name is Joe Catron. I'm the Vice President of Brand Management for Yakima Chief Ranches. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to have with me a guy who I've had the opportunity to uh, send countless emails back and forth with and be able to work with uh, closely in supplying hops for him and his company. We've got Tom Mace here, the brewing manager for Fremont Brewing in Seattle. Tom, how are you, sir? I'm doing great today. Good to, good to talk to you, Joe. It's good to talk to you, man, too. Like I said, I, we we email frequently, and it's it's definitely getting into the to the heat of the season where we're emailing back and forth maybe know, at least once a week, if not uh, once every three or four days there, especially once harvest gets rolling and uh, trying to find those windows to supply you and your team with fresh hops, which is something that Fremont is definitely synonymous with in our region. Uh, it, at least to my knowledge, one of the biggest users of fresh hops and cranking out all sorts of different iterations and uh, trying different combinations. And Tom, if you could just talk a little bit about your approach, your team's approach to fresh hops, uh, specifically your role in that and um, just a typical day at Fremont when you're in fresh hop season. Yeah, fresh hop season is awesome. We're, we're excited. We're getting geared up for it. Um, just published some staffing schedules for the season uh, yesterday. So the staff is all getting geared in. And we're trying to put all the pieces together and get it lined up. Lots of communication with you guys about when the harvest dates are and starting to get the trucks lined up and shipping. We we scheduled our uh, reefer truck. We bring an extra reefer truck on site to hold hops for when we have uh, we get we get two turns of delivery per uh, truck from you guys, and so we hold it from that evening's delivery till the next morning, and uh, so everything's less than 24 hours from the farm to into the beer. Um, yeah, typical day for us for fresh hop. We'll be uh, emailing or hearing from the farm about when the delivery is on the road. And then usually we'll start mashing in at that point because we know our hops are on the way. And we'll get the beer brewed, boiled, whirlpooled. And just about the time the hops are showing up, we're ready to start chucking them into the our lotter ton. And I think that's kind of the traditional nowadays. You could call it traditional method of fresh hopping is using your lotter ton as a hop back. Um, be able to get that many hops into the beer. We use uh, about 25 pounds per barrel, 25 to 30 pounds per barrel. We're a pretty heavy user on fresh hops per barrel. Um, and we like it that way, you know, just pack the flavor in there. Um, the, so when we're ready to knock out from the Whirlpool to our hop back lotter ton, we'll get the brewers engaged. We have a hop dumping unit that we put on top of our lotter ton and we just tip pallets of hops into our lotter ton. Uh, we, we, are on an 80 barrel system, so we'll use about, uh, 200, 2,200 pounds of hops per brew. And we're dumping that in. That can be anywhere, depending on the density of the cones from, uh, what is it? 12 to 15 pallets of hops, um, are going into the water ton for per brew. And then we, uh, get that all saturated and get all the hop, uh, aroma out of there and pump it into the fermenter. Um, and we can do two turns, we call them turns, of fresh hop per day. And we keep the hops coming in as the harvest season is right. No, that's awesome. And that's, I know the scheduling, you, you mentioned already kind of trying to get that lined out now. And 
you know, I know you guys are always trying to stay ahead, at least, you know, trying to get people scheduled. I know for me, we're in massive preparation mode and trying to get all the raw materials on our end necessary to, to make all those deliveries happen for you guys. Um, working with our, with our crop consultants and trying to figure out harvest windows and for each brand and make sure that we're supplying, uh, you know, hops in their peak ripeness for you guys. Um, a little bit also that you guys are, are really known for is a unique fresh hop beer that you make. Like you said, like I said, you make, you know, all the field to ferment series, you guys do some fresh, uh, some fresh hop, uh, head full of dynamites that I know are usually some of my favorites, but then the, the you guys do the, the Cowichi Canyon fresh hop ale, which to my knowledge is, is, is incredibly unique in, in the multifaceted, uh, cooperation between several entities that come together to make that happen. Uh, Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about that program from your guys' perspective. I know uh, Fremont, as, as a company, as, as a corporate mindset, is very forward-thinking, very uh, in, environmentally conscious. Um, and this is just, you know, fits right into that ethos. It's a really cool program. Talk about the Cowichi Canyon beer, if you could. Yeah, the Cowichi Canyon, uh, it's definitely the staff favorite beer of the year. Um, and we, uh, the... Um, there's a little canyon, Quichi Canyon up near Yakima, and it's got a small hop farm out there. Um, that hop farm, we base, we buy all the hops. It's got uh, Citra, Simcoe, Mosaic, and Yukonot. And we just, we buy all the hops from this hop farm. And you guys uh, drive up there with your portable hop picker. And we set up a date ahead of time that's an optimal day for the very, the, the different varieties, whatever is the closest for all the varieties. Um, and then we get that picked the, the, or it's harvested and picked right there at the field, put into our, uh, Gaylord boxes and plopped onto a truck and sent down to the brewery that day. So, um, and that beer is a all organic pale ale. Um, we pack it full of the hops from the farm. I think that's about a 30 pound per barrel beer as well. So it's pretty intense, intensely hopped. And then, uh, we will yeah and it spreads out it uses a little bit of all those hops yeah i think it's, it's it's really cool how the the brit family out there so ron and his son reed who are both uh well respected uh crop consultants in the industry um really close with the carpenter family so uh the carpenters down in granger um very instrumental family in the hop industry one of the owner growers of yakum chief ranches and, and yakum chief hops uh, have a close personal relationship with, with Ron Britt and we're able to set up that, that cool little planting out there. And Couchy Canyon is just an amazing little mini, uh, ecosystem really. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a breeding ground for several species, uh, just a beautiful place to hike and spend time, uh, around here. It's certainly a favorite of, of locals. Uh, but it's awesome how, everyone comes together and then the proceeds from that beer are going to the Cowichi Canyon Conservancy, which is a really important aspect of that whole project as well. And this organization that's incredibly important, doing really great things for our community here. Um, and I know that the proceeds from that beer really help out in a big way. And so, uh, you should all be commended for your participation in that. And, and just personally, as somebody who lives, lives and, 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 uh, uh, enjoys our nature here in this area. Um, I really appreciate that project and then helping sustain a beautiful part of the country for all of us. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And those, uh, those hops are all organic and salmon safe and 
we use organic malt in that beer. Um, another exciting thing about that beer, it's lightly related, but this year we're moving that from, uh, it was a six pack beer. We're moving it to a four pack format, a four pack 16 ounce format with some new art. And we're pretty excited about that too, you know, just because awesome. uh, it's always exciting to put the, put the, put the product in the packaging that it deserves. Absolutely. I was just going to say it's a, it's a beer worthy of that four four pack tall boy packaging design there. Um, yeah, it's, absolutely. it's, a, it's a great beer that's, that's worth paying that premium for. And especially when, when the consumers know, you know, the story behind that beer the story behind the ingredients and, and being able to, uh, be conscientious when uh, consumers and spend their money wisely on, on beer that's not only tasty but is is doing good things for, for people and and, and the planet uh, alike. So, uh, switching gears a little bit, I know you guys are, are well known for the fresh hop stuff. You've also got, you know, the interurban IPA, one of the classics. Um, you know, uh, Universal. You've got which one of my personal favorites, Lush, is really that danky IPA style is still something that's really one of my personal favorite styles. Um, recently I've been really digging on Ollie. Uh, I don't know if, oh, yeah. if and some of the listeners have had the opportunity to try that beer. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, the recipe development behind that one and, and kind of just calling on some, some of the classic hops and, and mix them with some of the newer hops and really finding a, a in my personal opinion, a, just a great balance of a beer, uh, aggressively hoppy, but, but nice and clean and approachable. Yeah, Ollie was a definitely. We went through a lot of iterations on our pilot system to get that that recipe right. Um, we finally settled on this, the Citrus Simcoe Chinook Mosaic, uh, just the home run hit beer, um, and it's it's kind of it's really heavily hopped. It's three pounds per barrel, um, and we've been or just on the dry hop, and uh, we've really been liking it. You know, the Mosaic has got a little bit of that funk and citra clean citrus um that was a really fun beer to develop uh took very many iterations on our pilot system i can't i think it was at least seven (laughs) yeah but uh we got it we got it done talk a little bit more about that pilot system is it is it a seven barrel system that you're probably yeah we have uh we have a three and a half barrel pilot system okay and we're doing a new recipe basically every week um we crank out hop trials we do single single hop beers we do um, we do different combinations of beers for hazy trials. We do all kinds of things on that system, you know, bright beers. How do you make a bright beer with, um, with different levels of dry hop and trying residence time trials? Uh, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but there's, there's so many things going on in that system, but, um, it's awesome that you guys have that and are actually using it as often as you are. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, you could speak to this much better than I could, but it seems like from the outside looking in, uh, a brewery like you guys at the, at the re at the regional brewery scale that you're at, um, you, you've got to constantly stay, you can't rest on your laurels, even, even with the incredible reputation and, and all the, all the things you've done for, you know, the Northwest beer scene and, and the beer scene, uh, at large, but it's, it's important for you guys to stay fresh and to stay innovative and, I know that you and, you know, Matt and a lot of those guys that I've met on your team are that are innovative. That's just, y'all are like-minded in that sense. And so it's got to be empowering and just kind of invigorating for you guys to be able to uh, 
use that. Utilize those resources and continue to uh, get those creative juices flowing for yourselves and, and, and keep developing recipes and using new hot products. Uh, I just I think that's it should be commended as, as an organization. I think it's really cool uh, to keep it fresh for brewers. I know it can be a challenge. Um, yeah, you- this year, especially, um, and I like I like it was invigorating, but it was also challenging. You know, we lost our tap room business. It, we have a very busy, popular tap room in Seattle that was a high portion of our revenue, and we we lost a lot of that business due to the due to coronavirus. And um, we were able to work on we we were able to pivot really fast and start sending out Brewers Reserve Series beers. We've been coming out. It's probably every week and a half we come out with another new recipe Brewers Reserve Series beers beer. And uh, that has been certainly a challenge, you know, because it's not something we were doing before where every week we're coming up with something new and coming up with a new label and coming up with a new recipe and putting all the pieces together and getting them turned around quickly uh, to be able to provide a exciting to-go option in a four-pack format for our customers. Um, and we are hoping to keep that going, even though uh, the tap rooms are opening up, but it's been a really exciting process to develop within the company, just keeping, keeping single batch, keeping true to our roots, keeping innovation going. That's awesome. Um, no, and it's, it's good. I mean, you guys are heart there, right there in the heart of Ballard and are kind of the, the crown jewel, kind of the centerpiece of that entire brewery district district that's grown up around there. Um, there was, wasn't there, I, mean, I think I, there was just like a New York times article or something about the Ballard brewery district and how, you know, the, the local, local beer lovers, local, uh, local folks have really rallied and, and stopped and done the stop in and done the takeout four packs and, and really helped to kind of sustain a lot of those breweries down there, but it's still tough, especially at a brewery at your guys' scale. And that's not your necessarily your, your business model pre COVID is, you know, crank out something new every day and come up with some funky name and cool art design. And, um, you know, it was more methodical and more, not necessarily seasonal, but like more, more methodical and, and interspersed for you guys with new releases. Um, how did you guys just internally, you know, business wise, you know, packaging wise, you make that change. How are you able to, to kind of shift people around and, 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 and discover people? Wow. I could, I didn't know that you could design a label for us. And were you able to kind of find people that fit new roles and, uh, adapt with the times, if you will? Yeah, we definitely, uh, we, we had to lean heavier for recipe development on our pilot brewer and our lead brewer and our, um, our specialty batch brewer, uh, who works at our smaller facility and they've been, and everybody's been pitching in and we keep coming up with the interesting ideas and we get different items of research that pop into different people's brain as they're reading articles about hops or whatever. Um, and we try out different ideas and keep it going. That, so we, we awesome. definitely had to lean, lean on the staff in different ways. No, that's good. It's, uh, it's encouraging to hear that, that you guys are able to, you know, to pivot the way you were and, uh, not sacrifice, um, I guess kind of the well being of individuals and like the team, team morale and things like that. Um, keep people yeah. employed was a big part, you know, just, just keeping people employed through COVID was, uh, really commendable for a lot of breweries. I know that there's some breweries I know of that didn't quite have enough work for everybody. It kept people on, kept paying, making sure and helping them through. Um, I think that's 
the brewing industry itself, obviously there's going to be some bumps. We're going to lose some breweries after this whole deal, unfortunately, it's just the kind of the nature of the business. But uh, for the most part, you know, the people within this industry are care about one another and are collegial and are thoughtful individuals. And uh, so I'm encouraged personally to kind of see kind of the end of the tunnel, hopefully sooner than later and get back out in the market and see breweries thriving again and communities coming together and using, using those spaces to, to build culture and, and to create good times together. Um, and speaking of create Absolutely. good times, I don't know if you, you've been to any Mariners games this year, but T-Mobile Park, Tom, is more lively and energetic than I've seen it in a long time. I've been uh, over to two games this season, one just, just last week. Um, and it's nice to see people in the ballpark uh, actually paying attention to the game and, and having, a, having a team out on the field that's uh, worth watching. Have you been able to make it down to the field at all this season? No, I haven't made it to a game yet, but it sounds like there's a good young crew and everybody's excited to be there. Um, sounds like the team has a lot of energy and a lot of growth potential. No, it's and still in the, yeah, still in the hunt. Definitely young. We are still in the hunt. Uh, definitely a young team. They've got this interesting knack of, well, I guess it's kind of a symptom of a young team, I guess, um, would be playing up or down to the level of their competition. Uh you know, they go out and they play hard every night and usually play pretty clean baseball. Um, but there's nights where you're just, you know, I remember earlier this year we we lost, we got swept at home by the Detroit Tigers, who are one of the worst teams in baseball. Um, oh, we, got yeah. no, we got no hit in that series as well. It was just a complete embarrassment. I was like, man, this, okay, this is it. We're This is the end, beginning of the end. This season's <laughs> basically over. And they went on the road and picked themselves up and, and won games against, I, I think I want to say it was like Cleveland, uh, and maybe somebody else in the AL East that maybe, you know, should have, should have beaten them. Uh, and then later in the season, they, they did it again. They, they got, got just beat up by the Padres. And then most recently was this, you know, we had a, a big trade. We traded Kendall Graveman, our closer, uh, who was a, a big time clubhouse leader. And it really ruffled some feathers, uh, just within the, within the clubhouse. A lot of the players were pretty upset, um, just wasn't a move as as far as a team that's you know a game or two games out of the wild card a move that made our team better right now um at the time everyone was really upset now you know fast forward a week and the guy we got for him has absolutely hit the cover off the baseball and has basically entrenched himself in our lineup um and it will be a good player for us for several years to come um but it's really interesting to see where the Mariners are just resilient. They just they lost two out of three to the Rangers over the weekend, which is a big bummer after that trade. Everyone's like, all right, definitely wheels are falling off now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we go on the road and just took two out of three from the defending AL champs down in Tampa Bay. Um, so it's just one of those teams that kind of makes you pull your hair out, um, but is a lot of fun to watch, and, and they're staying in it. That's awesome. Yeah, good example of playing up right there. Absolutely. So it's it's a big uh, it's a kind of still a do or die road trip for us right now. So we've got four more on the road starting tonight in in New York, New York, against the Bombers, a team we're neck and neck with in the wild card race. So four huge games up there. Um, really looking forward to this. Is this will be very telling for the future of our squad. But uh, anyways, I know we've been had the chance to uh, drink good. Fremont beer at the baseball games. I get to enjoy Lush on every Alaska Airlines flight I take, which is a big perk there. Uh, it's pretty that cool that, that being able to get a good beer on a flight is nice. Um, you guys also have 
an absolutely amazing beer. And if, if Steve's listening, hopefully he'll listen to this episode at some point. Steve Carpenter, my partner on this on this podcast, his favorite beer is Sky Kraken. Oh yeah, uh, Citra Mosaic Pale Ale. That's a fun beer to make. It's it's a one of those beer new new beer, no hot side hops whatsoever. Is it? Yeah, and it's got two two stage dry hop, one fermentation dry hop, and one post ferment dry hop. So. It is very nice. It's very hop forward, but also very sessionable. Yeah, Citra Mosaic uh, Strata. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's good. I know. Yeah, Steve can't get enough of that stuff, and it floats in that you know five and a half ABV range there. So it's definitely something you can drink a few of Keep while you're wa- while you're watching the game or or out enjoying yeah, a stroll in the park or whatever it might be. Uh, Tom, how's Seattle right now? I mean, I've been over there for the games, um, but haven't got to spend much time. I was encouraged walking around. It seemed like the streets were full of, uh, you know, folks having a good time again, families and out people out uh, shopping and uh, going to bars and going to sporting events. Uh, how have things been for you in a big city? I know over here, you know, in Yakima, uh, working working on farms, my life didn't change a whole lot last year. I mean, there was obviously – uh, you know, outside of work and other things that other challenges, but for you living in a, in a big spot like that, uh, how, how, how was life over there and how, how do you see it kind of, uh, hopefully getting better? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, tap rooms are opening up where we had to limit employees from going, even employees going from our tap room. And we've been able to lift that restriction because there's space for them. There's enough space for people. Uh, you see people out on the streets, you see people going out to dinner, uh, it's still a little bit spaced out and everybody's kind of cautious, but uh, that's okay. I think just to be kind of easing into everything. Um, hopefully we don't have to shut it back down again, but it's certainly some optimism around here. Uh, we have a really high vaccination rate, so that's been helping out a lot. I mean, you know, this, this, this Seattle city is like 80% vaccinated, so um, it helps us stay open. Uh, it's been a pretty hot summer. We've had a good hot summer here. Um, had that massive heat wave that everybody probably knows about. Um, and that was quite a thing. We, we had to shut down the facility for a little bit cause we don't have good enough cooling to keep our, our staff safe inside. So we had about a day two shortened days or we working only in the morning during that heat wave. It was dangerously hot. A, it was dangerously hot. Absolutely. Sure. It was extremely scary and dangerously hot. It was, uh, you know, for us, for you guys, it was crazy i mean triple digits is really rare for you guys to even hit triple digits let alone yeah you know uh 108 or 110 or whatever you guys got to over there for us in yakima you know 100 102 is we'll have stretches like that uh every year and and wasn't anything too much to endure and and the, the hops uh like that type of heat i mean they'll most most brand most varieties will grow right through that type of heat uh we're talking about 117, 118, a couple of those days that we had over here. And then just the shoulders of that being, you know, 114s, 111s, uh, it was dangerously hot. Um, yeah. And so it's it's good to hear you guys. We were definitely we were doing, doing the same thing, starting at, starting at 5, getting off at 10, or, you know, whenever it got too, too dang hot to be working outside. Um, definitely too hot to be on the – brew house deck after the sun's been baking on it. Oh, absolutely. No, it was, it was bad news. Um, you know, fortunately things have, have turned in the right direction. I know you guys have been 
more seasonal, seasonably normal over there in the kind of 70s, lower 80s type of nice summer, Seattle summer. Uh, we're getting through a little stretch here of, uh, you know, 100, 102, something like that. And I was talking to some friends last night. It's just insane how we're just walking right through this 102 right now and just no complaints whatsoever because we, you know, that recent memory of the 117 just makes 102 uh, feel quite nice, actually. Um, and yeah, so we're we're, we're seeing that uh, the plants, too, are, are, are starting to respond and uh, starting to push through some of that stunting or, uh, you know, some of the even burnt tips, just fried fried apical leaders on those plants. Um, so, yeah, you know, one, thing, things a month thing ago looked really that. bad. Things things now are looking a little bit better. One thing that uh, somebody asked me a little while ago and I, I reached out and found the answer to a little bit was uh, how did that heat wave, is that heat wave going to affect crop timing and uh, as the hops are developing? And I learned from uh, another hop partner that a lot of the development of the hop cones comes from the switching of the, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the seasons and the number of hours of daylight trigger those hops into when they should develop, not necessarily the amount of heat they have received. And so all the the hop development is still happening on on target. Yeah, no, that, that is, that is true. They're, they're very photosensitive plant. And so you'll see that a lot in, in the botanical world where basically the, the plants are, are moving from a, a vegetative state to a reproductive state. And so they are physiologically working on growing and, and growing up and putting on leaves and adding, adding, uh, nodes and, and, and putting on growth. And as the days shorten, uh, it triggers that plant basically. It, it triggers it physiologically to to move into uh, reproductive stage, which is basically uh, trying to reproduce itself by producing flowers. And so that plant will uh, reproduce flowers, and those flowers, uh, fortunately for us, become hop cones. Um, and so the timing is it, it seems to always shake out, uh, you know, fairly average as far as when the when the harvest comes off and. As you know, Tom, you're talking earlier about scheduling and the different timing of different brands. Uh, harvest window is a huge, huge factor in in what we do on the breeding side of Yakima Chief Ranches. It's one of those criteria that not really anybody outside the industry ever thinks about. They think about, well, does it smell good? Does it brew? Does it brew good beer? Uh, and does it perform well agronomically? Right. For so, so for us. Uh, being a grower owned entity, it's really, really important, obviously, that, that the new brands that we release perform well in the field, that growers want to grow them, uh, it can reduce their inputs and and be a profitable crop for, for our growers. Um, secondarily, we obviously want crop or uh, hops, and all of our brewing customers want hops that make great beer. Um, and so it's pretty fascinating for us to explore those different brands, but it really comes down to we only have so many days in the year where we can pick hops. And so the harvest window or the picking window for all these different brands is super, super crucial for us to uh, decide on which brands to select and then continue through in our breeding program. And ultimately, you know, potentially release as commercial brands. Um, it's really, it'd be really great for us to focus on varieties that ripen a little bit earlier, or a little bit after that, that peak window where we've already got a lot of acres of, some of those bigger brands, Citra, Mosaic, Simcoe, that that all kind of run right right one into the next. Um, 
So something, something to think about, uh, for, for those listeners out there that are curious about new brands and it's not, it doesn't have to just, uh, smell good. There's a lot of agronomic boxes that need to be checked, uh, for, for brands to, to really be commercialized. So, um, it's a good point bringing that up. Yeah. It's a really interesting puzzle. So for you guys too, that really factors in scheduling wise. And we've got, you know, I think the first one we're working on with you guys this year is Simcoe Sabro beer, if I'm not mistaken, Tom, is that what we settled on? I think we went with, we're going with Centennial Simcoe. Centennial Simcoe, that's uh, right. Centennial Sabro last year's. So Centennial Simcoe this year. Perfect. So it's nice early crops. Absolutely. So we'll be able to do that in probably the first week of September, it's looking like right now. Um, maybe first couple of days of September, depending on if it works for your as a schedule. And then that second one, what was the next window we were looking for there, Mosaic? Yeah, then uh, we got. Uh, I can't remember. Is it Citra before Mosaic? Citra and then Mosaic? <clears throat> Typical Tip- harvest time? Typically, yeah. There can be a little back and yeah. forth there where some yards are ripening before. Um, but in a perfect world, it would move from Citra into Mosaic. Yeah. So that and that, the Citra and Mosaic is for our uh, head full of fresh hop. And so beautiful. That's our hazy IPA. So we got the, the classic field to ferment with Centennial Simcoe, and we got the new age hazy ipa with a mosaic and citra beautiful well looking forward to it and i will uh like i said i'll be sending you back some more email correspondence real real soon on on getting that all uh lined out and um getting you guys taken care of but uh between now and then you know you guys uh keep working with those frozen fresh hops and see how see how what you guys think about that i know that's kind of exciting new prospect that we can uh, explore maybe in future harvests with you guys we're in the middle of one brew in our pilot system uh using frozen fresh hops and we decided to use them you know we're close enough that we can go with regular fresh hops and kind of primarily focus on regular fresh hops for our our main usage but it was a perfect opportunity for us to do a r d batch of a beer that we might produce during fresh hop season um, so we got in some frozen fresh hops, probably that was last week and we've got that brew. We brewed that last week. The hops were beautiful. Mm. They smelled great. Um, good condition. It was really cool. We were all pretty excited. It's like fresh hop season, but it's, uh, still a month early. Yeah. Isn't that something, uh, we were <laughs> pretty encouraged by how they've held up as well. I mean, it is a beautiful crop. There was, uh, just last year we, we just ran Simcoe and Citra just, just in a, as a pilot just to see if it was actually a viable product. Um, so it's really good to hear from you f- who handles more fresh hops than anybody I know. Uh, it's good to hear that they, they're performing well in your, in your opinion and look and smell nice still. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so it was a pretty good opportunity for us to use that product as a R&D tool. And so we're stoked about that. Awesome, Tom. Well, hey, man. Uh, I got to get back out to the fields and I'm sure you've, you've got to get going and taking care of something important around the brewery there. I, yeah, um, yeah. I really appreciate you stepping up and, and joining us today on short notice and uh, sharing about, sharing about Fremont and what you guys do and sharing some of the passions and, and just uh, things you do as a company that, that really uh, make a huge impact in our community. And so just uh, really appreciate you joining us, sir. I appreciate you having me on the show, Joe. That was that was a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Well, we will talk soon, and we'll get some fresh hot beers rolling. All right.
You enjoy the rest of your week, sir. And uh, thank you very much. I would be remiss if I didn't use Steve's tagline. So whether it be baseball or or beer, we wish you nothing but the best hops, or nothing but good hops. Dang, I messed it up, Steve. Anyways, nothing but good hops, Tom. Appreciate you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. See ya.